0: In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, me and my guy Richard Stamen, Mr. Mavs Draft, we are going to discuss this deep international class. I think 2024 is gonna be one of the deepest international draft classes that we've seen in recent memory, maybe even the absolute deepest, especially when you consider there is a large group of international players playing in the States, whether it's in the G League or in college basketball, But in today's episode, we are going to talk about the international players that are playing outside of the U.S. Richard and I are going to share our thoughts on who are the best international players playing outside of the U.S. and what we are looking forward to seeing from each prospect that will help them maximize their draft potential. Stay tuned. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And my co-host, Mr. Mavs Draft, Richard Stamen, one of the best draft minds out. And it is the offseason, so we haven't been doing episodes like we would during the season. But guess what? In about two or three weeks basketball season will be in i wouldn't say full swing but it's back it's already started in europe so we'll actually have more stuff to talk about from the 2024 draft prospects richard what is going on in your world since the last time we we did a podcast it feels like it's been forever
1: yeah the offseason has really hit um i i honestly have just been watching a lot of high school i also went down the rabbit hole of watching old nba games a little bit more uh, something I've been doing I love this exercise is watching guys like as rookies that have evolved into stars and looking at what flashes really translate. those are the two things I've kind of been doing it's uh you know passes the time and uh, always nice to feel nostalgic I've been watching like a lot of Dwight Howard for example uh and you know Mav slash magic draft didn't come from nowhere and watching him back made me both uh bitter. Uh, It was very bittersweet knowing how, you know, everything played out, but also it's really interesting just seeing how he evolved, for example, uh, as a big man who came in with no post moves.
0: I was going to ask you, who was the guy that stood out to you the most from their growth? Was Dwight that guy or was he just the one that was the flashes from what you saw as a rookie to him being, I mean, he's really a Hall of Fame player.
1: Yeah. And that's a good question because I, I watched so many guys I think Steph Curry is probably the most fun one to watch because, and he was an easy one. He was one of the very first ones I watched when the documentary came out, kind of got me a little bit inspired. I was like, all right, let me fire up Synergy, see what they got. And you watch some of the ways he comes in and the same elevator plays, kind of just cutting through the top of the key to the top of the key from the middle. And a lot of those things, the defenses didn't know how to do and how to defend. And you could see how he revolutionized the game in that way. So watching him also the way he, transitions more from going to the rim and learning when to attack when to shoot that stuff's just so fascinating to me i think he's been the most fun one to watch
0: who was the one that was the most surprising like how i don't want to say how bad they were but just the, the biggest <laughs> change
1: uh is, I'm, like, gonna, their, I'm their, their need body
0: physically that. like it's crazy it was only a couple of years ago but when i watched mavs luca rookie you're like wow he was he was significantly slimmer
1: yeah, uh, there's a few guys I'm trying to think. I mean, I've watched this is a really random one, but you can tell. So someone who came to the league that he's still in the league and uh, he's this is, I think, year 11 now or year 12. And that is Jonas Valanciunas, where he was strong when he came into the league, but he didn't know how to use it. I don't think as much his post moves were just overpowering guys. And then just the evolution of his game has been really fascinating. I think he's an underrated stretch five the defensive tendencies improve and then also kind of like i said the the post game just really changed how he used it the spins he was using more of his body i think in the in the beginning where he was committing more offensive fouls things like that and then whereas now it's he's got a variety of moves he has the fakes things like that adding those moves is really fascinating to watch from 2011 back to like you watch 2021 even it's just vastly different
0: Jack speaking of valanchunas he is an international player and that's what this episode is about the top international players outside of the US. And who is the the guy that that you're looking most forward to evaluating this season that is from the international ranks that is not playing in the United States?
1: Yeah, I think I think it's the most fun international player for me. Um, that's kind of I, I need to double check that that is the case, but I think I think it's Alex Sar. I mean, we saw him in France, seven foot, seven foot one somewhere in that window extremely athletic great finisher showed a little bit of flashes of shooting i love his tools he he seems like i, I fall in love with these guys every year right there's a is it a little bit different with star because he's a true seven plus footer whereas a lot of the other guys are 6'10 six, 6'9 six, like dano Oturu. i loved dano to in, in 2020 because i thought he was athletic he he could move uh you know i may have overestimated that i thought the shot was there he had some really interesting tools, and I thought he was just going to be that modern kind of big that almost following in what we saw with DeAndre Aiden going in that upside of a mobile big who can who can score at the rim, there's potential for a jump shot, and, and he can defend multiple positions. Players like that are my absolute favorite, I think, to watch. So Alex Sarr could eventually get into that mold. He's not Aiden, but I do think he is a very fun center that has a, a unique brand to his game.
0: Yeah, and I've, I've talked about him on the last couple of episodes. And I don't want to, like, keep elaborating on it because I may come off like a hater, <laughs> but I think talent, just God-given talent and physical tools, I think he is, at the minimum, a top 10 player in this draft off of his tools. I mean, seven one, seven five 7'5", wingspan, he's mobile, he's fluid, has touch around the rim, there's upside as a shooter, passer, he has everything that you would want in a modern day five but i feel like he's missing something like i've never watched back-to-back games where i felt like he really like took advantage of his skills like there are games where he'll make some nice plays and only have seven points eight points I don't remember the numbers, but I was not impressed with his play this summer at all on the for the French national team. I felt like he has the tools to dominate. He just doesn't have the mindset. And I don't want to say I sound like I'm just picking on French players because I feel the same way about Zachary Riesa Like I've, I haven't seen him really like. Maximizes gifts other than the one game I saw in person, but it was like a blowout game. But I've seen games where he just like you you'll see the flashes and then he'll 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 just finish. Basically, I'll just say this. He'll let defenders off the hook. He'll let a guy that is nowhere near as talented or gifted as him, or even a team, he'll let them dictate how he plays. While I just think him and Sar are two guys, if they put it together and maybe a different mindset it would be locks to be top ten picks.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a very fair point, too, because he had two double digit games in the U19s this summer, and both of them were 30 plus point. Or well, I guess one was, uh, uh, yeah, 30 plus point game wins. I mean, they beat Madagascar by uh, 63, they beat Serbia by 39, and those were the games he had double digit in. And kind of like you said, it was a blowout. Was it and it the games or- where it was, Jesus yeah, this is Sar. SAR. And I think for him, it's, you can have all the tools. Do you know how to consistently put it together? And part of that is just being young. I think that's an automatic element, but really putting all those tools together to be able to do this nightly is going to be key for him because if he can't do it consistently, he's not, he's not going to stick. It's as simple as that. I think, you know, I think actually the NBL was starting up right now, if I'm not mistaken, their preseason games are going on. We're going to get a very quick understanding. I think Alex Sarr is going to be one of the very first international guys that we get a quick grasp on and saying, all right, is he real? Is he a day one guy? Is he someone that realistically can actually be three years from now useful, but isn't that useful in the first two years? And I think a lot of questions will be raised and answered early on.
0: Yeah. He's played two games. I believe. I think one game he had double figures and the other game he didn't score double figures. This is my first time saying this publicly. I've said this privately to a few people. And people have agreed. Hopefully uh, the French don't get on my case for this, but I have this theory about French prospects, not all of them. I'm not, I don't want to generalize and say all of them, but I think, and I've spent time over in in France and I'm trying to figure out like, why aren't some of these guys absolutely dominating like their physical gifts suggest that, that they can I think that with French players, if they score big numbers, I think they'll be categorized as playing like Americans. So I think they're torn between their physical skills and trying to play like this system in the right way. And so I think even with like Victor, he did like he did dominate the U-19s, but. Victor was, when he played with his peers, he was able to like dominate games just in the flow of the offense with his just natural talent, whether it's just rebounds, block shots, whatever. I felt like when he played for Asville he didn't show, he showed very little of the flashes that he showed last year playing for the Mets 92. And with the Mets, and Victor was going to be number one regardless. But because his agency like really controlled the team, I mean, the head coach, has the same agent Hugo Besson, Koulibaly. I mean, they put up this system, and it's not that I'm like reporting this for the first time, ESPN has talked about it, that this whole system that they had around Victor was for him to dominate and give him the freedom to do whatever he wanted in a sense. Victor doesn't shoot one-legged threes if he's playing for Asvel. He doesn't have that total freedom to show everything that he has. And so I feel like a lot of the French prospects, despite how talented they are, I think they're physically and, and naturally more gifted than a lot of the Spanish players, in a sense. But it's something about not wanting to, like, dominate their opponents. Like, and this is a player that I'm I'm a huge fan of, Kamani Huensu. I think I pronounced his last name wrong. At Washington State. He's like 6'5". Super athletic can pass. And I've seen like games where he'll blow by like this slow footed defender on the first play, take off, dunk. That same guy will be guarding him. The team will play the same exact defense. And the next play, he'll pass. Or I think like the American in us is just all right, this guy is slow and he can't guard me. We're going to run that play over and over and over again. So I'll set off to say this. I feel like sometimes the French prospects don't have the mindset to absolutely dominate their opponents. It's easier to just kind of blend in and try to play within the system. And I think the mindset, this is a long-winded rant here, but I think the mindset is the reason why I'm not as high on Risa Share and SAR. But it could change this year because they both have the tools that every team covets. When we return, I want to get Richard's thoughts on my observation because I know it was such a long-winded rant that took up the whole first segment. But when we return, I want to get Richard's thoughts on why, and we'll see if he even agrees on that, but why some French prospects, their talent and their production, there's such a gap between the two. But before that, let's talk about FanDuel. Why? Because football season is back. And there are some incredible offers from FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book. Right now, if you are a new customer, you can get $5. All you have to do is bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets. Guaranteed. All customers who bet $5 will get $100 off the NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. This is the absolute best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you do not want to miss. FanDuel, the official sports book partner of the NFL and Locked On. All right, once again, thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. And I went on a long rant. I don't know how long it was, but I went on this long rant. And I didn't give Richard an opportunity <laughs> to uh, to to reply, but I, I'll bring it up. So when you look at SAR and, and Risa share, in, in your opinion, why don't you feel like the talent and the production are on the same page?
1: I think with SAR, I, I, I this is more of a generic overview is. Uh, big men just, I feel like sometimes if they're not the the dominant kind, like DeAndre Aiden, going back to him, like he dominated right right away, 18 years old, 19, so. whatever it was in college. He was great. Like no matter what the, the flaws were, yeah, the Buffalo game, but he still was a dominant player. I've, not every big is going to be quick in that regard. If you are physically that overpowering in the way Aiden was, I mean, six, what was it? Seven foot seven, six wingspan, super built, had the post game had the skill, had some mid-range jumper. Unless you are that, it is. I think it's hard to dominate at that young of an age consistently. And that's why he was the number one pick. Whereas with Sar, I don't think there's as much... I don't know how to word this right, but I mean just straight-up ball skill to be able to go, all right, give me this matchup one-on-one and let me win. And something that comes to mind, just a French commonality here, common denominator, is I remember when you were talking about Ismael Kamigate, how you had said, you know, there's a stigma... About And I learned about this. There's a stigma about guys playing like an American style that it can hurt them. And Kamigate was somebody who you were in Europe during his draft year. You got to see a lot of him up close, what he did in practice versus what he, what he did in game, vastly different. So I think there is some element of that, if that makes sense, where it's, I don't know how much I can do. It can almost get in their head. And if you're not a dominant ball skill player as a big I think it can be hard overseas. I think it's harder overseas to dominate as a big man than it is in college. But the other thing with uh, Reese, how do you, I've always, I've heard multiple pronunciations. Reese's share. So with Reese's share, I think he's just, I'm not that high on him. I think he's an interesting prospect, has the tools. I just don't think he's simply like, and this is very blunt. I don't think he knows how to put it all together right now. Will it ever come together? That's the question. He's got the athleticism. I think that's his main selling point with the size. But how he uses his ball skills is very, very rough right now. Like he it's not consistent at all from possession to possession. And he does the same things. It doesn't feel like he tries to confuse defenses. I worry with him. Uh, I think he's a nice flyer, but he's got to land in the right spot.
0: Yeah. And I wanted to add something. So like going back to Ayton, I was doing video work for a high school team, and I remember we played DeAndre Ayton. And I want to say he finished the game with, like, 18 and 11. But it was like, that was a quiet 18-11. Thankfully, he didn't, like, dunk on our guys every possession, and he settled for jump shots. And I've always kind of felt with Aiton, he is a player that if he had a certain mindset, he would be dominant. Like, I mean, with his tools and his strength, I think he is a and. I don't want to like – I'll use this as an example. DeAndre – or De, yeah, Aiton is way more skilled than Dwight Howard. But Dwight dominated games. Like, Dwight was a better athlete. But Dwight dominated games with no skill. I mean, he looked to dunk everything around the rim. And I feel like because he couldn't do, he couldn't shoot, he wasn't as skilled – that he just looked to every time he got the ball around the basket, he was, I mean, he was trying to rip the basket off. And he, again, he was a better athlete, but people were scared to challenge him around the rim because he was sending your shot to the upper deck. Again, Aiton is not as athletic, but I think he's more skilled. And if I'm not mistaken, their numbers are pretty similar in a sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And yeah, I just I always say if Aiden wanted to average 25 and 13 a game, I think he could. I really think he could. And with SAR, I think he's even like less dominant than Aiden. I don't I don't think SAR averaged a double double in an overtime elite. I don't think the numbers were really good. And so that part is concerning to me just because I think. I'm just so high on, on his talent and his natural gifts. I think that maybe he's one of these guys that he's so skilled that he doesn't know which skill to use to dominate. Like, you know, maybe some games he, you can get him to settle for jumpers. Maybe some games he's going to play in the post, but instead of going up front, he's going to like kind of fade away and shoot turnaround jumpers. While sometimes there's a guy that, is not very skilled and he's athletic and he knows, Hey, the only way I'm going to score is just to go up strong and dunk everything. So I think it's like a weird mix, but I want to talk about Risa share again. I, I saw him play in a game. It was like the championship game and the Adidas next generation tournament. And for those that don't know, in the Adidas next generation tournament and they're overseas, they're like once a month and they're in different cities and the winner from each city, um, they advanced to the the final four weekend in in the Euroleague. So it was the championship game. It was in Belgrade. And I I would say like, I think he was like 0 for 10 for the game. He had absolutely no impact on a big game. And then I started to just kind of follow him in, in like competitive games. And I'm a little concerned that in a competitive game, when he's by far the best player on the floor, he may finish with six, seven points, and he may finish a game without a single shot inside the paint. What has been your observations on, on recently? I know you said you're not as high on him as others. but What has been, like, the one key thing that stands out to you why you're not as high on Because I saw, like, one site had him, like, top five. Um there was one draft site that I thought I had him number one.
1: Yeah, that, that to me is is alarming. Uh, for me with Zachary, uh, I, I think, look, he can play defense. I think the shot is very rough. Uh, that's really where the, the stem of my concerns are is the jump shot is far away. I think he has to shoot. Like He, he can't afford not to. And then when he gets on the move, he gets driving it just feels a little bit clunky and just it doesn't feel like he has a necessary plan. He's he's kind of and and that sometimes can be OK to just go and see what happens and read the defense. But I don't think he's always reading the defense. I think he's just moving with the ball more than he's rea- reading and reacting. And to me, that that's concerning. I think he can play defense with his size. That's very good. But I feel like he might be headed down a path of and, and this could be a good thing. It's the jury's still out on this guy is Peyton Watson where you have all the physical tools, where's the offense? And for me, I think the offense was so underwhelming in the U19s that I could just see him being a guy that teams go, okay, we can take a flyer on you at the very end of the first, early second, but we got to see improvement in the jump shot, in the ball skills, and just knowing how to use your great physical tool set.
0: Yeah, and this is where... I'm confused in a sense from my own personal evaluation. So the first time I saw him play, it was a game where they blew the team out. And I saw all the tools. I mean, I saw like the defense, you know, transition from defense to offense. He was knocking down shots. He was scoring in transition. I was so impressed that I believe if you go back and look. I did a podcast on, like, 16-year-old Zachary Reese this year. I want to say it was probably, like, in maybe January 22, maybe? No, or, or no. You know, what? it may have been November 21. That's how impressed I felt. Like, all right, down the line, this guy is going to be something special. So I'm going to have to go back and look it up. But I want to say it was November 2021. If I'm not mistaken, it was the same day that I went. It was the matter of fact. It was the same game that I went to watch Victor and Ishmael Kamagate play. Victor was playing for Asvel, and, and Zachary was playing for the Bars League, the Under Twenty One League. And it was a blowout game, but I was I saw all the tools. So of course I started paying more and more attention to him. And the more and more I watched, I'm like, ah, this guy is. He's. I get the intrigue, but I just don't see it. So here's where I kind of struggle at in a sense, because maybe in my mind, I want him to be like an alpha. I want him to dominate. But in reality, maybe he is going to make a living as a complimentary guy, a starter, a rotation player, and, and maybe that's totally fine. So... I'm torn because I think he should do more. I think SAR should do more, but maybe, again, the role that they're playing now for their teams is the role that they're most comfortable with and the role that they'll likely play in the NBA, which could make it easier for them as opposed to a guy that dominates in the youth levels and then he has a a hard time adjusting when he is, you know, basically at, at best a high starter or just a starter or a rotation player. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. And one of the things that I think always gets lost and, and not saying this is you or anything, but like a lot of people, you know, say, oh, just put him as a role player. Will he even want to be? Because like you said, there are people who are putting him out as a top five prospect, number one, even on places I, again, wholeheartedly disagree. But that stuff sometimes can get to a player's head. And will he be willing to scale down? Will he be able to maximize that one niche role he has to get into right like say he does come a role player it's going to obviously be defense is an important element he's going to have to get out there finishing or three-point shooting he's gonna have to be an off-ball player and a defensive player always usually that label gets called three and d but the off-ball abilities are just so far away right now can he get away with being a defensive specialist i'm not confident in saying yes to be honest
0: yeah i'm not either because i think that's just a like a, a mentality and I think like it's hard to have especially if you're as, as gifted as he is to have that mentality on the defensive end when if you apply that type of mentality to be great on defense to offense then he could be like, really good so I'm looking at his stats from the under teams, 7.4 points per game 2.9 rebounds 1.6 assists he shot 14 I'm sorry 46 percent from the floor 47 percent from two He was good from three, 44% from three, but 72% from the line. 18 of his 39 attempts were from three and he had 11 assists, but 17 turnovers with his physical tools. He had one block. I'm just, I just don't know what, what what to make of him because I, I feel like seven points, but then again, Bilal Koulibaly only averaged seven points per game last year, if I'm not mistaken, playing at the U-18s. But even with Bilal, he was he a was guy that kind of snuck up out of nowhere. With, with Risa Sherry, he is the guy from that generation in France. He's the guy that's expected between him and Saar. Again, I don't want to make this episode kicking on France, but I think when you watch a lot of these international competitions, you can make a case and say they have the most – nba talent but spain is kicking their butt and even serbia in a sense all right we've spent the whole episode talking about those two guys who is another player on the international ranks that is spent outside of the u.s that you are really looking forward to evaluating this year
1: yeah there were a couple guys that that filled out this uh, criteria recently but then they committed to american schools, so that's really thrown me off um i'll actually go i don't know where this guy is playing but i think the intrigue is incredible with him just staying on the u19s and that's matthias mamadi out of madagascar i think he's been one of the most impressive players he was in the u17s a couple years ago or maybe it was the u18s last year he was in the u19s this year was a one man show on Madagascar It's Madagascar's first and probably only prospect for the foreseeable future. And I just love everything about his game. Super crafty at the rim. Very fun to watch as a ball handler has a jump shot, has some very intriguing tools, but has no talent around him to really tell, all right, what does he really look like? Is he getting empty stats? Is it real? The skill is real, but how impactful can he be? I don't even know where he's playing this year and that's going to be a flag. But I do like his game so much that I think if he found himself in a high-level league and getting just the spot minutes that all these young players always get, I do think he could be somebody that becomes an NBA prospect.
0: Yeah, I think he's playing in the NBA Academy. I think that's where he's at this year. He averaged 24 points a game, led the U-19s in scoring. And I I pay a lot of attention to, like, the – the, the FIBA national teams. And every year there's a guy that's on a bad team that puts up huge numbers on poor efficiency. And it's like you like the guy, and then you understand that he's in a tough situation. And then every year it seems like that guy disappears. Like I was just telling somebody earlier today, I fell in the trap at the 219s. There was a guy from China named I think his name was Huin Gao or something like that. He averaged like 26 and 6. I mean, he was a triple-double threat at the U-19s. And maybe it was the U-18s. But he ends up playing, like, I think he plays professionally in, in, in China. But you never really heard anything from him since. And, I mean, he was on a bad team. And with, um, with this guy in Madagascar, you look at the the numbers when you dig deep into them. 38% from the floor. He shot 45% from two. Only 16% from three. Got to the foul line a lot. I mean, he had a game where he shot 16 free throws. I mean, he was aggressive. And then it's not necessarily his fault, but I've never seen ever in my years of scouting seeing a player with a negative 134 plus minus in, like, five or six games, which, again, it's not his fault. I mean, like, and he's from Madagascar. (laughs) I mean, not a place that is considered a hotbed for producing talent. But I get the intrigue because he has good size at 6'4". And sometimes I – this is just a personal favorite of mine, but I like irrational, confident guys (laughs) who are, like, Hey, my team is not good right now, but I'm going to do what I have to do to carry these guys. And that's the mindset that he had.
1: And that's, and you know, just to wrap things up with him, is two, there are two things. One, that's a big part of why he had that negative plus minus so badly, right? He also played like every minute of every game that they got killed in. And, you know, he would get a bucket and then his team would give up three or four more while going over three of the next ones. But the thing that I really like about him, and, and I do agree, the, the stats, there's a bit of an alarming you know, rate there with some of those numbers. I fully acknowledge that. I do think what is promising is what you kind of touched on, which is the free throws. He got to the rim really well, even against uh, teams that always doubled him and crowded the paint when he had the ball. And while he shot 16% from three, he shot 86.86% in the U19s from the free throw line, which is an incredibly high number, and the volume was double free throw attempts of what it was threes. That's what's giving me a little bit of confidence more in him in the jump shot. The the form isn't broken. So I really like his game. I think he's somebody that he has to, like you've touched on though. He has to put that behind him. He's got to go somewhere where he can be efficient. His team is good and he can prove that he actually impacts winning. And he's not just a guy like you said, who does some cool things and then flames out.
0: Yeah. 9.6 free throw attempts per game. is what, average in the tournament 9.6 so that it's almost like that is the aggressiveness and assertiveness that we've been talking about Risa share and star lacking but they also have way more talented teammates so it's a it's a catch-22 who's another player that that is someone that you'll be looking forward to evaluating this year that's playing outside of the United States
1: yeah I really liked uh what I saw I didn't do any like major deep dives on this guy but i thought he had a good from what i did see because i was focusing on i think more on the other french guys going back to francis melvin agensa who is the nephew of former mav pelican uh and other nba teams alexi agensa so he's somebody who i'm, I'm really intrigued to watch this year I think he could be uh, part of this strong international draft class
0: yeah i've seen some people have him as a first round pick six eight can shoot the ball he was actually training in dallas like two or three weeks ago And so um, I missed it. I didn't get a chance to see it. But yeah, he has a a wide range. Like I said, some people have him as a first round pick. They like the the fact that he does have like a defined role in the NBA as a floor spacer. He can shoot on the move. I don't have him in my top 30, but I I do think that he is someone that will hear his name on, on draft day. Where do you have him like ranked or have you even got that far yet?
1: I've got him about 20, um, and actually, sorry, I know we're short on time here. I have one question for you to to close this out. This is a player who is, I think this is his auto-eligible year, and I'm curious if you think he's draftable, if he will get drafted, and what your general thoughts are on him. Matthew Strasel, if I'm saying his name right, uh, I feel like I've seen that name for five-plus years now. Is he going to get drafted? What do you think of him?
0: No, I don't think he gets drafted. If I remember correctly, my first time seeing him was in, like, 2019. So, I don't That year, the 2000 or that year, the under-18s and under-19s were both in Greece. I went to both, and I kind of get them mixed up. But he's like the new Malcolm Kazalan. Like, Malcolm's name was mentioned in draft talk for, like, five years. And so, uh, but, yeah, so... I put it like this. If he played on the U-19 tournament, that team the U.S. had was Cade Cunningham, Tyrese Halliburton, Jalen Green. So that's how long ago that was. And then if he played at the U-18s, and that tournament was Pokashevsky, Franz Wagner, uh, Ushman Garuba, Alperin Shingun. So that's how long he has been on on the radars, And some of those guys are like... They're like their third, going on their fourth year in the league, if I'm not mistaken. So he's been on the radar for a minute. So, you know, in, in, in today's world, they may his time may have may have passed as far as, like, getting drafted. Well, that wraps up this episode. In the next episode, we will talk about the top international players playing in the United States. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow with your statement.